Welcome to the Inspire Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Kimbaro. Our guest today is Andre Evans. He is a graduate graduate of the United States Naval Academy. He's a naval officer, host of the podcast Multifamily by the Slice, creator of the first ever real estate comic book, The League of Wealth, and author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Prove Them Wrong. Dre, thank you for joining us. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing yeah. good. We're here on a Friday Friday evening. It's been a little rainy here in San Diego, but our our light's going to shine bright through that. I love it. Love happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dre. So let's start with talking about your book. I had the opportunity to read your book. I actually just finished it this afternoon, and wow, so amazing! It's it gets vulnerable, it gets raw, but it's also a story that so many people can derive inspiration from from so many parts, right? From your from your beginnings, right, growing up in Chicago to going through the Naval Academy right, to being a naval officer, and now what you're doing in, in, in real estate, right? So there's so many lessons to be had there, but I really want you to take the time to just kind of go through that, you know, talk about your journey and, you know, so that our listeners and guests can, can kind of understand you better. Yeah, I'm a kid from Chicago. Every every person that's listening to this podcast, we're all a kid from somewhere, a town, a city, a place. Grew up uh, grew up in, in Chicago, and I'm a triplet. Uh, primarily raised by a single mother, and at the age of 12, I decided to join a gang on the south side of Chicago, and that was really birthed from my biological father. He was on drugs. He was a drug addict. My mom was on her way to FedEx. She forgot something. She turned around. She already saw the signs, mm. but then she turned around when she forgot something, came in the door. She smelled the funny smoke, and there he is, you know, smoking crack in front of me and my brothers, and that led her to leave and she gave him ample opportunity to become involved in me and my brother's lives. And he never really tried to step up. And so in this coming of age as a young male on the south side of Chicago, when you have all these gunshots and these different gang colors and poverty and violence around you, you, you are influenced by what you see. And I think for me, my brothers were primarily into video games. And I've always been that type of guy. After I played for an hour, I'm done. Yeah. My favorite game was like the Need for Speed and the racing type of games. But after that, I just I couldn't play anymore. And so I found myself curious. I found myself walking through the, the streets and interacting with different people and being exposed to different things. And I think for me, I joined um, the gang on, on the south side at 12 because I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to... Um, have that manhood feel tough, feel like I could protect my brothers and my mom and my family. And I think I, I felt there was a pain, there was a void. My biological father was not there, all the other men, my, my mom's uncle, she had several brothers. They were all in the streets or on, or on drugs. So I really didn't have anyone to look to. And then you have these group of people that I saw substance into. And, and it's similar things, the similar dynamics we would see and a mentor or someone we look up to in business or real estate or an influencer on social media. We all know what that feels like. We all know what it, when we see something in someone, where, whether it be the way they dress, the way they speak, the way they carry themselves, just that swag, that persona. And this guy in particular, Smoke, who was the leader of the gang that I joined, he was that. And so I looked up to him and I wanted to embody that. And so I joined for that purpose. And that's where my journey really started in terms of shaping my mind of valuing life, valuing opportunities, valuing when I did get into business and the hustle and and being and beating the drum of like being proud to be from the South Side of Chicago. It all stemmed from my that gang lifestyle and just being on the South Side of Chicago. Wow. 
you know, one of the things that you talk about in the book, right, is, you know, the need for belonging, right, and that, you know, we think of gangs, right, like you talked about the, the street gang you joined, but there's so many gangs, right, the military, right, political organizations, right, this, that, and the other, you know, your, your need for belonging, right, and that's what, from what I derived from your book, what you were talking about, like, there was a hierarchy, right, there were people to look up to, and, you know, what led into that, right, was, you know, some inspiration, um, you know, from your stepdad, can I call him your stepdad, yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne, yep, you know, he was in the army, and then he, you know, plants the seed for your brothers and in, 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 in you, right, to join the military, right, and from there, you know, you, you start having these conversations with you know, the ambassadors, and that kind of shapes a vision, right, to transition away from a path that is going to lead to destruction to a path of, you know, endless opportunities. So, you know, talk about that, man. Like, you're going down a path f where people are getting killed, right? And, you know, being having premature death to, you know, I'm no, I'm going to take charge of my life. I'm going to go to the Naval Academy. Yeah, for me, I was doing what I was doing in the street. And the man who was my, any of my time, at that time, my stepdad, Dwayne, you know, comes into our life. He comes home one day and he's like, guys know what this school called West Point is and we look it up and all we see is people in uniform and, and green cannons and my mom's like oh no I'm like absolutely not no one in our family was in the military like that the, the war in the Middle East is going on at the time and so we're we're completely turned off from it but he keeps coming home on and on and on about this school and at some point we're like you know what we'll drive out to the suburbs of Chicago an hour out and we'll go to this informational seminar where we meet Colonel Banks, he had a PhD and five master degrees. My first man, my, my first time meeting any man that, that was that type of education, that had a master's degree, any type of post-secondary degree in general, right? So that was eye-opening for me, and then they had all the cadets that were there. And they pretty much debunked every myth that we had about military. I think that when a lot of us, right, when we think the military, we think that we just went down to the local recruiting station, and we think that, Everything is bang, bang, shoot them up. Everyone's on the yeah. front line in infantry, but they don't realize that, no, there's, there's lawyers, there's engineers, there's pilots, there's people that do logistics and business management and nurses like and doctors. There's so much that encompasses the military and everything that this that a lot society functions in the civilian world is in the military too. And that really opened up our eyes. And I think that, that Colonel Banks, he took it a step further. He said, okay, I can clearly see that you all really don't understand or know what the West Point is and what a service academy fully encompasses. So they paid for me and my brothers to go to West Point for a week. And that was my first time really being out of Chicago and feeling safe. And people really cared about my leadership development. They cared about me as a person. And I didn't have to worry about being jumped or my safety. And I remember coming back and I was just like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And right when I came back, there was a drive-by shooting on me and my best friend. And I and once that happened, that was like the wake-up call for me that I need to do something different. And I think that a lot of people probably have either hired that or are going through that now. If, if I could give nuggets to people that are listening to this podcast, we all go through situations in life where you're in a tough predicament or you're working a 9-to-5 job and you said enough is enough or you're going through a family situation and you're saying enough is enough. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe you have a pattern. Maybe you're just not proud about the way you end your day every single day. Whatever it is that you, my listeners, you know what I'm talking about. Think, put yourself, close your eyes, envision yourself in, your, in this 
what we're talking about in this podcast right now, whatever that situation is, at some point you have to come to a point where you're like, enough is enough because it's a risk not to take a risk. If you keep doing the same thing, you get the same results, right? And so it's the idea of like, there's two types of pain. There's the t- pain of discipline or the pain of regret, which will you choose? And I, I can't, for me, I decided that either I, if I keep doing the same thing, I'm probably going to die or be in jail. So I'd rather take the risk and confront the game and try to get out and have the opportunity of a lifetime. And that's what I did. Wow. That's amazing. You know, and you go to the United States Naval Cavalry. It's it's quite a wake-up call, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I went through Marine Corps boot camp, you know, so yeah. that's nuts within itself. Any any sort of military environment, you know, it takes you out of the, you know, the the – how we are as civilians, right? Like we have the autonomy, we have the individuality, and you go to the Naval Academy, and then boom, you know, you have discipline just, you know, hitting your face. You know, the the, the plebes are doing the hazing, right? They're disciplining you. You know, talk about you know how the Navy Naval Academy like set you up for success, right? And enforce that discipline and that you know perseverance. It reminded me of a parent, right? Yeah. Where at a young age they're telling you to do all this stuff and you're like, how does this make any sense? You we probably also see it in school, right? You're taking physics and all these different courses and you're like, I'm never going to use this again. And I really felt that way. We, there were so many different things that we had to do. So for one thing, for example, it's called child calls. Yeah. You had these long P-ways, right? And in the center of them were these big silver blocks, especially they were at the corners. So every time uh, there was imagine a silver block and each plebe had to s- stand on each corner. And child call was before breakfast meal, it was before noon meal, it was before evening meal. And at the top of the 12, we had to go around and shout, like, the menu for is pancakes, syrup, scrambled eggs with cheese, you know, bagel, uh, blue jelly, jam jelly, fresh squeezed orange juice, fresh squeezed apple juice. And the, uh, then you have to say, like, that was the breakfast meal, right? And then you say the officer of the deck is... Lieutenant Evans, the junior officer of the deck is Lieutenant Casmi, or whatever it is it may be, and that was like generalize the script, and you have to do that until we hit the the appropriate time for meal, and then we would call it shove off, meaning we would just run away, and then we would form a full formation. So you had to do that for new meal, you had to do that for evening meal, and on top of that, while let's say we say it early and we finish it, because you have to say it as fast as you can, so we're literally like like just stubborn, just like that. And you, once you finished it the upperclassmen could come up and drill you. So let's say it's breakfast meal and we're doing it. They could come up and say, well, what's the menu for evening meal? Or what's the menu for evening meal? What is a sports? And we also had to remember, like, current activities. So we had to read the news every day, and we had to remember uh, what was going on in the world, what was going on in the U.S., and we also had to remember sport. So if you couldn't speak to that or you couldn't speak to the, to the meal, then you would have to drop and do push-ups or – some type of physical activity, or they could punish you later. Yeah. And that was uh, essentially the gist of, of a child call. And, and you go through that, and you're like, when in the world am I ever going to use this, right? And But now looking back, I'm like, man, the ability to remember things quickly and regurgitate them, confidence. Yes. Being able to confidently, and that was the thing. I remember one time, I didn't even know what the menu was but I sat there and I, I you know I'm you know my mom we have our soul food in Chicago and whatnot I was like fried chicken macaroni and cheese baked beans and I said it at the the top of my lungs super proud and if the first few upper kind of just walked past like they didn't even hear it and the menu was completely wrong yeah but at some point they get in your face and you're like wait a sec like that's not the menu you're like you're saying like collard greens and stuff 
And but the thing was, I remember it afterwards. He after I was doing my pushups, the upperclassmen pulled me to study and said, "You know what? Like I really like that because the whole yeah. purpose of it was confidence." 100%, and that's the yeah. thing is, you could be wrong, and that's what you learn in leadership. You can be wrong, but it's, it's being confident at every step you do. And that's the same thing in business. That's the same thing in life. That's the same thing when you take risks, when you're trying to accomplish your goals and your dreams. You're gonna make mistakes, but it's the idea that no matter what you do, you have to put your best foot forward and just do it with confidence. And that's also the definition of just leadership so there was just a lot of lessons and nuggets obviously you can take from that one thing of being a child call i would give you one more thing so we don't go too long yeah. because we could literally do a whole yeah. podcast on the amount of ridiculous things extra things we did plead but another one was uniform races oh. so we would have to literally go in a room they would say put on your whites rush do it and they would time us and if one person if the whole company wasn't out there we were all on our faces and I mean, we're drenched sweat. It, sometimes it would have to be in pizza uniform. Just name the uniform of all the Navy uniforms you had to do. And that taught us to do things with speed. So now you go about your day, and now you can move. You're jogging around everywhere you go. You can move very quickly and get things done. And I like to say that most Naval Academy graduates or most people in the military, really, you get more stuff done in the first two hours of your day, three hours of your day than most people do in, in, a, in a couple of days. You know, and I'm sure that you can resonate with that and speak to that. So I think those are two things right away that stand out to me of just lessons that I learned when I was a plea right away that have carried with me um, in life and in business. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, the discipline that you get instilled with, right, whether it's boot camp, Naval Academy, Officer Candidate School, right, ROTC, it sets a foundation for your military career and then also after that right mm -hmm. and so you know you're still currently serving in the navy you know the plan is to get out at the end of this year but what you have been able to do is utilize that discipline utilize that perseverance perseverance right and start businesses right start investing in real estate right you started your own podcast you wrote a book right so let's go through let's i think that's a good segue into this you know, area of your life, right, of, of, of what you're known for and what you're doing now? I was in the process of writing Proven Wrong. Yep. And I was getting coffee with a buddy of mine who was also Naval, another Naval Academy graduate. And I'm venting to this dude about, man, until I release Proven Wrong, I don't have another way to achieve passive income to get my mom out of South Chicago and just break that negative stereotype of, financial poverty over my family because we always live paycheck to paycheck and everyone else in our family didn't have investment properties. They didn't have successful businesses. And he stops me after I finish, like, speaking and venting, basically. And he's like, you should buy a multifamily. And I just looked at him like, I don't know what that is. And, he's, he, and for the next hour, he's just trying to describe it to me, like rents and tenants and all that stuff. And I don't know why, even though that's just another word for apartment building, it just didn't click for me because I had never heard that term before. And you, you cannot dream what you cannot see. And I think coming from the South South Chicago in that type of environment, I had no one ever talked like that. So it was just very eye-opening for me and shocking for me. And for the that whole session, I was just honestly just mentally processing it. And then after looking back, I went away just like, if I have an opportunity to do something that's going to forever change the narrative for my family, I'm going to go for it. And so I did YouTube University, Podcast University, 
I read every book I could on multifamily investing. And I, once I merged out of my little rabbit hole, in that three, four months, I went ham at looking at analyzing and underwriting multifamily properties in San Diego for about a couple weeks. And so I finally landed on a five unit that was in Mission Hills, submarket in San Diego, and the other submarket was in Pacific Beach. It was a four unit. I ended up going under contract on the four unit, which was a $2 million property, which is where we connected at, obviously. Yeah. And from there, that started my journey. And I didn't know where that was going to go. I get that question all the time. People are always like, well, how do I get started in real estate? Like, what made you want to get started in real estate? And I'm like, I never even thought I would ever buy anything outside of, like, a dream home for me and my family when I had a family and kids. I never even just thought it was possible to have an investment property, not me, not the kid from Chicago. And when that happened, I then started going to real estate networking events and meeting people and building connections. And next thing I know, I'm doing my next deal, not even two months later, on a 12 unit in Golden Hill. And then next thing I know, I'm starting this podcast. I have the desire to start this real estate podcast, and people are asking me all these questions on real estate and investing. And then some, the author of me is like, Dre, just write a book that answers all their questions. Make the first part of it every raw, bone-chilling detail about all the adversity that you went through trying to do that first deal in PD, how you would get hit in your fines and how you were under escrow for three or four months and how everyone thought you couldn't do it, your family's telling you no, and I went through with it and how I was successful with it. And that was the best thing to ever do in my life, even when my own family was telling me not yeah. to do it and then my own broker told me, pull out of the deal, you're going to lose an earnest money deposit of 20 grand. And I'm getting hit with over 10 grand in fines. And I'm just so glad that I stuck it through and I put all that in the first part of the book and the second part of the book is everything people need to know about multifamily investing as well as the key terms in the back and lots of book sheets and examples. And from there, you continue to scale the portfolio and then you run a meetup group in San Diego and I'm just looking back at, back at it and it's been three years, December 24th, because I closed on four unit in Pacific Beach on December 24th on New Year's Eve. Uh, that's how I always remember that date. What so year was that? December 24th of 2021. Okay. So I just hit three yeah. years this past December and I'm like, it's been a whirlwind. I went from a kid from the South South Chicago who was just trying to write a book to do the best thing he could to help out his family to having 101 units, a podcast, three books, and a meetup with nine paid sponsors and I'm just, my mind is blown. Like it happened fast. Yeah. It's amazing how, you know, you just have to get started. Right. You know, and where that can take you, you know, I was talking about this yesterday with my last guest, right. You put yourself out there and you know, the world is, is generous, right. You, you have that energy and you know, it brings those people that you're supposed to meet, right. It brings those opportunities. Right. And I believe that's God's hand at work. You know, the question that I have for you, right, is you talk about getting started. And I can kind of relate to that because I invested in my first real estate last year. And some similar things, you know, it's not a multifamily, it's a single family. But the goal, right, you know, different investment strategies, you know, I'll get to where you're at one day. And, you know, you that's right. And, that, and that's the mindset that I have, right, that I have with my business partner. We incorporated the LLC Vision Builders, right? There's a vision there, right? Love that. Right? We're building a vision. And so, you know, when I was when I bought this property in Georgia, you know, at first we tried to buy one and they, you know, 
they they closed on it really quick and then we had to do a counter offer and then we pivoted into another one and there was just so many things that we had to go through right with the, the lo right we had to go through you know my what what ended up happening is i go there we close on it and unbeknownst to, uh, unbeknownst to me we didn't do our due diligence because this is like our first time doing it my business partner had to be there because he's 50 for 50 on the title and so we go to the lawyer's office right to sign it and he's like uh we can't sign it like he's not here right and i'm like are you kidding me like we've already you know thirty thousand into this right we've gone through all this legwork you know getting like the week up prior you know i'm on calls and it's like we have to do this this deadline that then i'm like there's no way that this is stopping the deal but you know we, we worked it out like we took him off the title really quick i signed and then we put him back on the title but there was there was those hurdles right and like i at some point i talked to my business partner like we are going through with this like we're this far like we're executing on this because there's a vision and so into what you would say to people that are getting started but maybe have those mental hurdles of like well it's a lot of money well you know, there's this and that, you know, the interest rates are high, you know, what would you say to that person? I would say, get started. I talked about this before, where the same way LeBron James has to go play basketball every single day, rain or shine, even if you can do it during COVID, any athlete, any business professional, almost look at it like a lion, and either you kill. Damn. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, the lion still has to get up and hunt, because doesn't he doesn't eat so there's always a deal to be made in real estate does it become more creative at times and harder at times absolutely but if you really want to get started in real estate and even once you are started and you want to continue to push the needle and do more deals you have to be more creative it might be that maybe on your first deal or two you funded it all on your own Maybe for the next few deals, you might have to join venture, which for my listeners, that just means you partner up with a person or two or three. Maybe you introduce creative finances, which is blown up through Pace Morby's group. Maybe you might syndicate it. Maybe you might look at private money, hard money. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Seller credits, uh, zero down options, which is kind of similar to creative financing. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Maybe you might even incorporate a few other real estate things outside of your traditional buy box. And when I say buy box, maybe you are a single family person or a multifamily person. But maybe you might do some wholesaling. Maybe you might do some flips, maybe some rental arbitrage, or maybe you might get your license and you use those fees of doing a few deals, those commissions to roll into your deal. But regardless, you're doing other creative things to fund your real estate portfolio and to grow your portfolio. Wow. I love that. You know, you got to get started. You got to find a way, like, whether you're telling yourself you can't do it or you don't have the cash or, like, you can get creative, right? And so if we can get a little bit more technical, right, you know, I'm sure you've read, like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. You know, the concept of utilizing debt, and I'm sure Gordon Ramsay would disagree, you know, but talk about, you know, successfully using debt, right, to, to leverage debt to, to build wealth. I think great debt is a great tool yeah. uh, to, to do it. I know some people say do not be over leveraged. It also depends on the deal because you can argue that in an expensive market like San Diego, you are starting out going to be a lot over leveraged depending on the deal, right? Because of the purchase price, usually in a million plus dollars, but the returns that you get from that is worth it in the long run. So 
I think you have to just be strategic, run your numbers, do your homework. Anything you do in life, whether it be real estate or business, you should always find someone else that did it. Mm-hmm. Don't reinvent the wheel. I think that people get into business and they get into real estate or whatever dream that you want to accomplish or whatever it is that you want to do, even if you're an athlete, you want to find a coach, you want to find someone else that can teach you things. doesn't mean that you won't be successful on your own, but leverage the fact that someone else made a lot of mistakes that you can learn from, and it will accelerate your learning curve. So it's the same logic when you apply it to real estate and to business. Do the same thing. Try to find a join a mastermind group. Try to find a mentor. Try to find a coach that can help bring their resources in. You can learn their lessons learned, and that would accelerate your ability to move faster and get more done. Hundred percent, and that's what you've done done now, right? You you've, you're paying it for, right? It's come twofold, right? You started off in that situation where you set up the advice of a mentor, and now you have become a mentor for so many people mm-hmm. through your mastermind, right? Through your podcast, people are coming to you, Doctor Multifamily. Right, Dre, is this a good investment? Dre, how do I get in on this, that, the other? Right, so talk about, you know, how you are as a mentor now to these people, right? Through your mastermind, through your classes, through your networking group, right? Like, how do you, you know, what are you doing there? I think I just, I see myself. I feel like, I always feel like the kid from Chicago. Mm-hmm. I always feel like the underdog. I And I think that that spirit would never wait, go, go away from me. It doesn't matter what people see me as today. Like, that's how I always view myself. Because I think that my upbringing is so ingrained into me of just, like, being thankful for where I'm at today. And I always think about the people that took a chance on me. They took a chance on me when they let me go to the Naval Academy. Even when people were telling me not to do it. Even when people were telling me I wouldn't graduate. My friend Keegan, he took a chance on me by even just telling me about multifamily and opening that door for me. He didn't have to do that. Even the people at the University of San Diego with the Master in Real Estate program, they took a chance on me by allowing me to even get in that program. I feel like it doesn't matter where I'm at in life. There are so many people that have prayed for me, that have reached out for me, that have opened doors for me, even when I don't even know it. Yeah. And I think that I'm just forever grateful for that. So when I mentor people and I answer their questions, I see myself in them. So instead of sitting back and just listening, and we talked about this even before the show, as you know, but sort of just sitting back and listening and just asking questions. Some people, a lot of people, when you're trying to get started in real estate or you're trying to scale in business or accomplish your goals or change or shift your mindset, you don't know what you don't know. Yes. And so I am constantly trying to push people, students, people in the mastermind, people that I'm just having phone calls with or meeting on the street and that are trying to get started in real estate or just elevate. Giving them homework, it should feel like when they walk away or when they leave, they their heart's on fire. And they and they have a lot to do that challenges them that they that but that that homework and what they have, that that bag that they walk away with each time or session or each phone call or each encounter it pushes them it elevates them so they should be in a different place every time i see them again and i think that is the type of mindset that i use and that i approach when i speak to people or when i coach people or when i have a call with them amen and i think that's so powerful because you hear about people who may obtain wealth or be very successful 
and they're empty inside, right? They have the million dollars, they have the, you know, every, everything on paper, right? And this is actually something I talked with uh, Dan Fulkerson about, if you know who Dan is. Bulldog, I'll, I'll introduce you to him, great okay. guy. But, you know, so just really quickly, that side story. You know, he was a lawyer making like a million dollars a year, had two Ferraris, but he was empty inside, right, by his own admission, right? He was leading a life that everybody said was beautiful on the outside, but he had this epiphany where he found this book talking about, you know, what it really means to be successful. And from there, he quit his job, right, and started his own law firm, Personal Injury. And, you know, he, d he's, it, he ate shit for a while. And then while building up this law firm, and now he's uh, – so this is actually his pen. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's, he's a good buddy of mine. He was actually the first guest on the podcast, but good guy to know. I'll introduce you, Dre. Um, but what I'm getting at is, you know, he's very helpful and just like you are. And I'm inspired by people like that that are successful, that are building themselves, but also see the bigger picture – and I personally think that's where God comes into play, right? To have that relationship with God. It's like, what is the impact that I'm going to have? The influence I'm going to have on people, right? While I'm here on this earth. And I want to maybe get like a little bit personal, if you don't mind. And, and, sure. and talk about your faith, right? And how that guides you and how that leads you. Because you talk about your faith in the book, Prove Them Wrong, right? Your relationship with God. And I would love to just kind of delve into that, if you don't mind. I grew up in the church. Yeah. My mom, <laughs> there was never a Sunday you could not go to church. You would get beat for that. Yeah. But, you know, that's why I told you. I think that I would have not gone through and made it out of what I made it through if it wasn't for people praying for me, my mom, my grandma in particular, and even and people I met along the way. I've, I've been thankful that I've met several other people in my life that have really believed in me and prayed for me. And I think that is a big part of it, just prayer alone, right? Yes. And I also just faith. Like, I talk about it and prove them wrong. There was so much that happened between the gang stuff and even the Naval Academy where it w it's not possible that it was anything but God. Yeah. And, and, you, and, you know, and, and even with, I can give one example, even with the MIT thing, yeah. like the internship, the lady literally told me no. Like, she literally said no and was like, we're not, I'm throwing away your application. We're not even going to consider it. And the next thing you know, you get accepted, right? And, and, and I've been in through so many situations where when things come up, I just pray to God to give me signs. And it's so weird. He will just give you so many signs. And then that's like, and it's like a hammer on the head. It's not like a subtle. Like, it's a thing that when you pray that way and you just open your heart to just observe and listen. Yeah. It will, it will come multiple times. It's not just a one-time thing. That has always happened to me many times in my life on various different topics, various different occasions. And he will make it abundantly clear of what I'm supposed to do or what direction I'm supposed to go or who I'm supposed to lead or what, who I'm supposed to make a connection with or what opportunity I'm supposed to pursue. And so I, I just truly believe that I would not be here if it wasn't for his grace because truthfully, right, like, there's still a lot of things I always feel like, and I pray that I don't necessarily deserve, but he has constantly given me grace to have the opportunity to have that. I think that even when I get up every day, I pray for 
thankfulness more than anything. Just thankful for allowing me to be in this engagement. Thank you for thank you for allowing me to be where I'm at in business. Thank you for my family, that everyone's healthy, that everyone's strong. Thank you that I have the opportunity to do this podcast with you. Thankful that we met and connected. Thankful for everyone that I that even has an ounce of time to consider me as a source of like inspiration because there that is amazing and humbling within itself. You know, I'm mean, you're just thankful for life. Thankful for for I thank for uh, for the opportunities I have in advance. Wow. You know, and I think that I just I always start with that, and that is really the bulk of my prayers. Really, whenever I get up in the morning, like that's what I center on. And at some point, it's whatever His will is and what He wants me to do in life. Let it be done. You know, you know my dreams, you know my goals, but I pray that they align in what you want me to do. And that's it. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. That's so powerful. And, you know, I, I feel the same way. My relationship with God is what guides me every day. You know, I, I'm, I get up, I pray, I thank the Lord for, you know, all the things that are going to happen, the things that I have, you know, the gratitude. You know, like you said, life is so beautiful. You know, God's beauty in this world is, you know, how we met, we're sitting here. And, you know, just the gifts of being healthy, like being able to have our eyesight, our ears, our, our legs, you know, there's there's people that don't have that right and you know i'm just so thankful every single day for my opportunities and i'm just so thankful and excited for what god has in store right in my life the lives of others the healing the rejuvenation you know, the power of god is it, it's it's just so amazing and you know you end the book by talking about when you were in a car accident so you know and and, and very well could have died you know, and I had a similar situation a few years ago. I, I was on a, I, I got into a collision on the, on the freeway, right? And I did two 180 spins, hit the embankment, right? Traffic's oncoming, and for whatever reason, no car hit me, right? And I was able to, you know, open up the window and walk out, you know, scot-free, injury-free. And I think back to that day sometimes, and I'm like, wow, I could have died then. I could have been paralyzed. I could have been brain dead. And I am here, right? By the glory of God, by the power and will of God, I'm here. So talk a little bit about your epiphany when you had that car accident, right? And that kind of opened up some things within you, right? Yeah, I remember. Um, I've been through many death situations and close encounters, but I think the car accident was different, man, because you're sitting in this car on fire, it's all smoky, and I don't know. I just thought about my mom, and the first thing I was like, "Damn, I, I, I crashed my Hellcat. I can't believe yeah, I crashed the Hellcat." Yeah. But you know, because that was my baby. But after that quick subsided, I was like, "Man, like, is this how I'm gonna go out? Because this is not something I can do. Like in those situations, at least I had ability to move around and stuff like that. I can fight back. I can shoot back. But in the car, you're just trapped. And I remember I just like reality hit me and I started to my eyes started to water up and I was just like this is it and I remember right when I hit that moment the car opened and some Navy sailor that was driving to base like helped me get out of my car because I couldn't get out the cars you know I think that's really when it happened was you're trying to get out and I can't move and like like my feet are crammed and I'm trying to like fight my way through because the, the door is caved in and when that happened and they pulled me out and then they 
the, the ambulance comes and they have me in the back and they're checking me out. And I remember these like dudes, you saw the picture of the car in the book, like it was totally crushed. Like there was a, not only did what was the car completely bent, but like there was a railing that literally went straight through the uh, front windshield of a car that could have like literally went straight through my chest, like through my face, you know? And I think that they looked at it like, how are you alive? And how do you have no injuries? And I think that again, it was like the, the paramedic that checked me out was like, dude, I feel like God was looking after you. And again, it was just a, a reminder, you know? And I, and that's the next day I, I woke up and I'm like, I've been putting off for years. That's when I every day I wrote, and after a year I, I wrote Crazy Crazy. Yeah, it's an amazing book, and definitely need to buy it and read it. I totally recommend it. Absolutely, it's an amazing book. Um, in addition to that, so your real estate comic, I haven't had a chance to look at that, but I think that's so cool because you know you were reading comics as a kid. And you're like, here's a novel idea. Why don't I create a comic book about real estate, right? About like the League of Wealth. Wow. Like, what was the inspiration for that, man? Like, wh- like, talk about that, dude. That's amazing. Uh, I've always been an artist yeah. and love to draw yeah. and, and paint and do pastel and charcoal work. And I woke up one day and I was like, similar to that's my problem. Like, how do I teach people another way about real estate? Because some people, I, I tried to explain it the best way I could to dumb it down, which I think I, I think I achieved. Mm-hmm. But some people still might get turned up by the, the the numbers, just seeing numbers and the logic of it all, and like how do you reach you in a more cool way? Yeah. And I love Marvel movies, and I know a lot of people love them, especially when the Avengers was hot and Spider Man and everything else. And I'm, well, I know that's not Marvel, that's DC, but yeah. Marvel and DC in general, people love that stuff. And movies have really blown up over the past decade or so. And I'm like, you know what? I want to create the first ever Marvel and DC-style comic book with superheroes and villains that teaches people how to buy their first apartment complex. And I think that a big part of about it that people don't understand is the mindset and the systems, Mm -hmm. the process. And that's essentially what it is. You have this character, Michael, who's called the Uprisers superhero name, and he falls in love with this girl named Ember who was in class with him, and the professor's like his mentor. He's almost like a Professor X. And as he goes through, it's uh, Enterprise City. You can almost look at it like a Gotham. Yeah, yeah. And he goes through trying to fight Enterprise City under financial poverty that uh, Capital Skull placed, who's the main like lead villain, he places this curse on the entire city. In order, and the only way he can get his mom out of financial poverty and free the city is he has to collect all these gold keys. But all his little mini-villains have it. Now, all these little mini-villains represent the various challenges that you would face buying and managing apartment complex, like Rent Killer and Sinister You with Sanford Utilities. So they all have these different things, and as he confronts them, you learn the mindset, you learn different things about multifamily real estate as he collects the keys. And at the very end, he collects all the keys. He has a final battle with... Uh, just uh, Capital Skull, which is the Upriser and Ember and Professor X and all the other heroes that are in the comic get together and they fight against Capital Skull to defeat him. And that is what concludes the book. But that's the overall premise is to teach people in a fun way how to get started on multifamily real estate. Amazing. I just 
what pops into my head is, you know, I think that our school system at the very beginning probably doesn't do the best job of teaching about, you know, like finances and stuff like that, like how to build wealth. And the ability to like circulate that in a school, right? Like how that be subs- you know, subscribed as reading, I think that could set so many people up for success. Like that's the idea that I get from that is like get that in the schools, man. Like have these kids like reading because, you know, everybody loves com- – the kids love the comic books and then they're like it's planting those seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- that's just an idea that popped in my head is like get those kids reading it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, man, that's amazing. So from that, I mean, you have your podcast, right? You're talking about multifamily. You know, talk about your podcast, man, like the reach that you're getting there. Uh, it's, it's really good, man. Um, I'm in a restructuring phase, actually. So okay. you can, in my opinion, it's some, at some point, once you hit 100 or so episodes, you can only talk about multifamily real estate for so long. Yeah. And I, I'm at a point where, I, I paused it after three months because I'm going to restructure. I had a great time with my other uh, podcast buddies, partners. Shout out to Ike and Chi. And I'm going to restructure where I, I will have a show on my own. Still coming up with the name. We'll see what happens. And But it will be all on real estate and business and investing. Wow. And entrepreneurship. So it'll allow me to, I think that also being in the space and taking that three months off and being out there in the world and speaking to more people, I think it's very beautiful that, you know, you've got real estate as a whole, but then there's also different things that people can learn from in terms of entrepreneurship and investing and business. And I think that that's exciting. That will allow me to learn a lot. That will allow my guests to learn a lot and open up their ideas because they could still be bullish and have a nice, robust real estate portfolio, but they can also learn different systems in business, different mindsets in business tactics and marketing that apply to business which once you learn that you can apply that to anything and they can also diversify their investments they might add a few other things to their investing portfolio in addition to having real estate and i think that is the direction i want to go it allows me to have a bigger impact to reach people and and that's where i am i am uh, on a journey for right now at the beginning of 2024 wow that's amazing and i think it's going to be good to you know that that's just in that you see like the ability to pivot right from just multifamily to all these other avenues i think that's going to bring more people in mm-hmm. you know what i did w- another thing i want to talk about which has been a common topic you know we're both guys that work out you know mm-hmm. you post about that on your feed which i think it's amazing i try to post like fitness stuff too because i want to inspire people to like live their best life and i think that starts with having a healthy body right healthy mind healthy soul right so maybe, uh, you know, we could talk a little bit about, you know, fitness, like health. You know, you talk about that in your book at the end, right? Yeah. Eating good, working out, you know, how that sets the foundation. Uh, it's mindset. It's the yeah. place where you practice discipline and pain on a daily on a daily basis. Uh, I was a really skinny kid growing up in Chicago. And even throughout the Naval Academy, too, there's plenty of pictures that show that and on social media as well as through the book. I got to a point where I was like, man, like I'm tired of being skinny and tall. And so at some point I moved forward and I was in supply school, which is in Newport, Rhode Island. And there was another guy, Carl Sedano, shout out to him, uh, one of my buddies there. And I was like, he was like big into lifting weights. And I was like, man, like 
I saw him bitch at 225. Mm. And I was like, I want to I wanna know how to do that. And so I think I started with, like, maybe, like, a plate on each side. I just started bitching every day and eating as much as I could. Like, I was just, like, trying to bulk. So I was eating bacon, donuts. It was like, I just got to get to 200 pounds. Yeah. And so I ate everything I could, and then I was just walking out every single day, at least six days a week. And I watched me get bigger. I got to 200 pounds. I watched the the, the muscle come and the definition. And then once I did that for two years, I started getting results, and then I built that habit. I think it's a combination start seeing results too and then people also start noticing and complimenting you and then it also you see the lifestyle the healthy lifestyle that comes from it you have more energy the way you feel the confidence and once it was a habit i've just been doing that ever since and so then at that point i just shifted now that i have to wait i didn't have to do the whole dirty bulk thing anymore now it's more like a lean bulk so no it's now it's just about eating right and eating healthy maintaining that purpose and that's that's how i got started yeah i love it i mean i had a similar journey i played football in high school and the first time i picked up a you know got on the bench i was freshman year you know there were guys that were more physically mature and they could already bench 225 and i couldn't even bench 95 right and i had like the same mindset like i'm gonna get there right and uh you know and so people ask me like dude what do you do morgan like what's your routine and i'm like well, here's my routine, but you have to understand, I've been doing this for like 15 years. Yeah. You know, that's a process. You're not mm-hmm. just going to get there overnight, right? And just like anything, right? Anything that you are working towards is going to come for, you know, you got you to gotta push through the pain, right? And I think it's such a great analogy, you know, in the weight room and building muscle, you know. So I had a football coach that always used to tell me, right, when you work out, you make your body stronger. When you read, you make your mind stronger. You know, and I think that it is a, a foundation upon itself between body and mind. Mm-hmm. And I encourage all my listeners and everybody that follows me and as well as you do to, like, live a healthy life. So many doors open up, you know. I think it expands aspects of your mind that you didn't even know were there. And it causes you to push for more, you know, to be ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next, man? I mean, you know. You got all this stuff going on, you know. You're getting out of the navy here at the end of the year. You know what's 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 Dre's big vision right now? Um, I think the mission is to continue to help people. Uh, some of that is going to be through books. So I have a lot of other books lined up. That's through the podcast. Uh, also helping people through the coaching. I had a lot of questions and a lot of demand for that, and so I've I'm fully immersing myself in that and helping people as much as I can through coaching, giving them, as we discussed earlier, being very intentional about it, mm-hmm. uh, very actionable and detailed about it so that people are really be actually getting results and feeling extremely happy and thankful for it. And so those are the things that, and in addition to, of course, we're going to try to, we're going to continue to do more deals and grow your portfolio in real estate. But I think overall it's, it's different way, doing a lot more speaking, uh, going to more schools. And at the end of the day, there's different, uh, those are all different avenues I'm discussing, but they all help people. I'm very big on that. Awesome. 
you know, is there any advice you can give on maybe certain geographic areas that people should look at for investing in real estate? Do you have any insight there? Um, I, I hate that question because people can say that California is not a good move, but yeah. that's my bread and butter. Like, yeah. I love investing here in San Diego. So I think that, it, I mean, there's even look, Brandon Turner talked about how he did it in, in Hawaii. You can make it work in any market. It's just you need to know the, the ins and outs of that market, the submarkets, the connections, the property managers, the contractors. Like, you will learn the unique dynamics of your market. Some are easier to do than others. I totally agree. But once you learn what works, you'll make it work. So I would say look at in your own backyard or look at an area that you know the most about. There might be trends in the city that you can get ahead of. Like, it, it's possible to do it in any market. You just got to know how. Awesome. You know, you talked about the books that you read about underwriting and, you know, other than your own books, can you recommend, you know, where people get started, some specific sources? Uh, the the multifamily, I read the, all the Bigger Pockets books, I read all of them, all of them. Um, David Lindahl's book, The Multifamily is a good one. The Red Book, Syndication Book. There's the book that Brandon Turner did. It was a multifamily investing part one and part two. I read the advanced tax strategies books from Bigger Pockets, the beginner in the advance, investing out of state. I read that one. Any, any, I would say, I, I think a great starting point is just anything Bigger Pockets because it, it gives you a lot of framework stuff. Mm-hmm. But it also gives you a broad perspective on a lot of other topics. It'll help you find what you want to do. Then once you find what you want to do, then you can just go on Amazon and look up. Um, now I'm more a business book guy because now I'm in a different place. I'm not at the beginner stage anymore, and you know what you want to do. So now I'm trying to learn as much on business as I can, change my mindset, continue to grow, continue to add systems, and continue to scale, and also open myself to new opportunities. I love it. Well, um, definitely want to, you know, kind of let you talk about, you know, where people can find you, you know, buy your book, everything. Um, so if you don't mind sharing that, Dre. Yeah, I'm I'm Dr. Multifamily on all social media platforms like Dr. Dre, so DR Multifamily on all social media platforms. And then for the books, they can go to ProveThemWrongTheBook.com. That's ProveThemWrongTheBook.com. That'll have all the books on there. I'm on Barnes & Noble. I'm on Amazon, Target. You can go to any of the stores. You can go on the websites and, and find me. Love it. Any any final parting words, Dre? Um, at some point, there is no excuse. Either you do everything it takes to make it happen or you don't. I have that tattered on me. I live by that. I think that you can apply that to anything you do in life, whether it be real estate, business, you're going for a goal, you're an athlete, you're trying to accomplish something in school. Um, I think that at some point, you have to ask yourself when you're at that final hour, like, did you do every single thing you could? Amazing. Well, thank you, Dre. Thank you for your time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right.